0: star wars 7x7 episode 409 today we finish our review of the treasure trove that was released by entertainment weekly about the force awakens as part of their fall movie preview punch it chewy it's rebel rousing fun for everyday jedi seven minutes a day seven days a week join alan Voivod for today's star wars 7x7 podcast destiny unleashed Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and there were no less than nine different uh, articles posted online on Entertainment Weekly's website about The Force Awakens as part of their fall movie preview, and we will post links for all of those at the blog post for this show's episode at sw7x7.com, so that way you can check them all out if you have not grabbed a copy of the magazine for yourself. And I guess I could get more specific and say there are seven articles, actually, plus there is a photo gallery, and there is one remaining article that is about the Han Solo movie, the upcoming uh, Star Wars anthology, or I guess now it will be whatever uh, the title is, A Star Wars Story, Han Solo, A Star Wars Story, or something to that effect. And one of the things they announced in that story is that the character of Han is going to be roughly late teens, early 20s as uh, you know, the age he's depicted at. And I really like that because that puts him at Luke Skywalker's age at the beginning of Star Wars A New Hope. I think that's a really good age for, for that character and just as a, a general idea for the movie to explore, I think that would be a really good place to start. The other thing that they mentioned is that they are aware that there's potentially some confusion about uh, you know, what could happen in the fans' minds by having, on the one hand, old Han Solo in The Force Awakens and then young Han Solo in a spin-off movie played by a different actor. Uh, we're talking, of course, about casual, you know, non-intense Star Wars fans who obviously would be able to assimilate the difference between the two. Um, it does kind of raise the question, though, that if the production folks are worried about uh, people who watch the movie getting confused by this sort of thing... One of the potential solutions, of course, is to kill off Han. Um, that's personally not um, the way I I would much rather. If anybody's going to have to get killed off, I would rather be Luke, just because it makes more sense with Phantom Menace and with A New Hope. Like It would make sense that he would be the one to do it. But um, if the, uh, the production folks are really that afraid... Of it somehow confusing fans, which of course then would, you know, confuse minds, says no to the box office. Uh, This is going to be the one that's going to be coming out in what 2018 yeah i guess 2018 so it'll be after the second star wars movie so maybe we'll see han in for two and maybe they'll kill him off in episode eight so that way uh, we'll get to see young han solo back on the screen a year later in 2018 i don't know i'd love to hear what your theories are about that chime in at the blog post for this show's episode at sw7x7.com so, as we mentioned earlier at the uh, at the top of this show, we're going to cover some last tidbits from Entertainment Weekly. Of course, the Han Solo thing was one. Uh, the other has to do with the people that are collaborating on the story for The Force Awakens, and one of them has been identified as the one the only Simon Pegg You know him as Scotty in the new Star Trek reboot, or as Benji in Mission Impossible, or as Sean in Shaun of the Dead, etc, etc. He's all over Hollywood. He's uh, quite the raconteur, (laughs) as it were. And... He apparently was brought in to bounce ideas off of, and I shouldn't say brought in per se, because it's more like he would show up on set, and he's a friend of J.J. Abrams's, and so they would be bouncing ideas off him as a sounding board. So now we know we've got that kind of sensibility, which is very smart and very reverential, but also uh, with an eye toward the witty side of things, too, which is exactly the kind of thing we need. And the other person that the Entertainment Weekly stories talk about is who sort of acts as the Ralph McQuarrie um, to Abrams uh, for, you know, the Ralph McQuarrie to George Lucas for The Force Awakens. And we have an answer for that question, too. Uh, It is a gentleman named Rick Carter. And Rick Carter, I guess, is a frequent collaborator with Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis. So, you know, already we're off to a roaring start. And he was actually brought in... Much earlier than Simon Pegg was, uh, according to this article, it says that he was brought in when Abrams was originally working with screenwriter screenwriter Michael Arndt at the very, very, very beginnings. And in Abrams' quote, he says, it's atypical in a production designer's job description, but I wanted him there because he was a dreamer, a complete dreamer. And he describes Carter as a giddy, excited genius and a muse for me in that regard, not just visually but also spiritually, and he was just a terrific partner in crime. And partner in crime is actually the same phrase that he uses to refer to Simon Pegg as well. So now we're getting an idea of what the inner circle is in terms of building out these new Star Wars movies. And the last thing I want to share with you is probably the thing that blew me away the most, and that is in a little miscellany article here one of the things that gets talked about is how fans like us have had an influence on the movie as well, and Abrams says, one of the great things Lucasfilm has done over the years is embracing the community of Star Wars fans, and it's because they realize that it's really the fans story, and Considering that I had just done a rerun of the original seven episodes of Star Wars 7 by 7 and as I was listening to them, I was struck by my insistence that Star Wars belongs to us now, to you and me as fans. And it still made sense to me a year later, even after you know all the stuff that I've done around the Star Wars franchise and diving into it so deeply with all these podcasts. But to see that line come from J.J. Abrams, I can't tell you how hopeful that makes (laughs) me for this movie. It is getting more and more difficult to control my emotions over this movie and not to just be able to experience it purely and plainly, but that kind of thinking is the right kind of thinking we need for this movie. All right, let's get our trivia done, too. Last time we asked you who was C-3PO's master before the crash landing on Tatooine, and that was Captain Antilles. Today's question, what two types of rebel starfighters were used in the first Death Star battle? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you go jumping out skyscraper windows, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And please support the podcast by joining us on Patreon at patreon.com SW7X7. It's not a shapeshifter, it's Destiny Unleashed.